Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to church. Um, again, it's a little different. I am actually standing inside Transformation Church, which is great. And uh, as you've probably heard in the other announcements, we'll be trying to meet together very soon. But tonight, I'm truly doing this for an audience of one. You know, they say that when you preach or whether you worship, you should always do it for the audience of one God, which is true. But I'm also doing it for one person, Mark, who's here with me uh, recording uh, this evening. But we're just so happy to be in your homes again whenever you're watching this or on your phones or wherever you are uh, to talk to you today about something special. As I mentioned, uh, in Quebec at least, uh, things are starting to get a little bit normal again. Um, we're starting to open up businesses, open up recreational places, so on and so forth, and that's great, and I feel good about it too. But I was thinking about these things in the light of the church and where we go from here, and as Christians, how we live. And I think just as in the natural, that it's careful how we handle this, you know, that we follow the rules and we make sure that we're wearing masks to keep each other safe and that we're washing our hands to keep the virus off of us. There's things in the spiritual life, on the, in our Christian life, I think that should help us as we go into this new uh, way of living. You know, the, the cheesy statement that came to me, and if you remember one, I want you to take this with you, is to not go, don't go from quarantine to the same old routine. Okay, I'll say that again. Don't go from quarantine to the same old routine. And, or even, don't go from quarantine to some new unhealthy or unhelpful routine. Uh, like you, and I'm sure many of you, I went through uh, a lot of changes during the quarantine that I normally wouldn't do. You know, washing your hands before you go into a grocery store. Uh, that's something new, right? Uh, the amount of time we paid attention to where the hand sanitizer was or how many Lysol wipes we had, lining up to go into Costco, a whole lot of new routines. And routines are bad. Uh, they can be very good. But as we come into um, this open, again, lifestyle, this way of living, again, that's a little bit different, but somewhat normal, I want to make sure uh, that we capitalize on it. I think actually in the Christian walk, in the Christian life, there's an amazing opportunity to make an impact, not just in our own lives, because living for Jesus is not just about impacting our own lives, but impacting others around us, impacting our communities, impacting our workplaces, our schools, or wherever we are. So today's message is entitled, Making the Most of Every Day. Now, that can sound a bit like the title of a self-motivation book, a self-help book, or a feel-good message with no substance. But this is actually a headline or a title that's taken straight out of Scripture, straight out of the Bible, and we're going to look at that. God does want us to make the most out of every day. But here's something important that diverges or is different from what we normally hear about a thing like that. When we hear a lot of times the message, make the most of every day, it's sort of in that carpe diem, seize the day moment, sort of like a Western capitalistic go for it attitude. Uh, make every day count. It's good. Uh, it can be good. But usually it's focused on self on self-aggrandizement, making more money, or having a more healthy relationship, or having a more healthy family. Some of those things are good, but it's usually focused on self, or our own group, or something for our own betterment and enjoyment. And those aren't bad things, but that's not what the Bible is talking about when it says, make the most of every day. Make every day count. 
You know, so example, in, in your natural life, you may have set goals or coming out of this uh, quarantine and the pandemic, uh, maybe you've said, uh, I'm going to read more or I'm going to exercise more. Or, I'm going to prepare my meals in advance. All noteworthy, good things, never saying don't do that. But that's not what the Bible is talking about. You know, there's good things that come out of this. Uh, one of the things in our own family that came out of this is that for our birthdays, Val went out and we got bikes. Okay, so now the children have their own way of getting around and Val and I now have a bike so we can join them or go off on our own and go for a bike ride. It's all good. Uh, we're making more of the day, but the Bible is not saying, hey, make the most of every day in that way, which is, you know, again, a good thing. So um, as though these are all good and decent things, they are, you know, not focused on something like, you know, the five steps to a better me or whatever it is that we might hear. That's not so bad, but I'm thinking now as we've been at home, sort of like at home a lot and forming maybe like a chrysalis, you know, we're almost like a butterfly. And as we come out of this COVID chrysalis and become this butterfly that we're made to be, the question is, what are we going to do and what are we doing it for? Or more importantly, of course, who are we doing it before? So we come to the word of God. Okay, I want to read from Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read a large portion of the chapter and go through it. It says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So let's stop here. There's an instruction right away. Follow God's example. Okay, what was God's example? God's example was sacrificing everything for the love of his people. So the, the, the example for us or the instruction for us is be sacrificial in our love in, in, our, in our giving. So it says, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, right? And so that's what's a fragrant offering to God. So in the same way, when we live sacrificially, when we live sacrificially in our love and giving, it's pleasing to God and that's the way we are to live. Now, what that might mean for you practically or might mean for me practically can change. But when we go to make the most of every day, what it really means, I guess, if we're to sum it up, is am I putting others before myself? And that can be a challenging thought in today's world because we're often taught to make sure we're always putting ourselves first. Take care of yourself. Do self-care. All that stuff. And again, it's not always a bad message, but it's not the Christian message. And the Christian message is be like God. Be like God who gave up his own son because he loved us so much, right? So this is not saying, oh, to be a good Christian, you've got to give up your life. You have to die. It's not saying that. But in some ways, there may be ways as we come into this new way of being that we have to give up some of who we are, some of our time maybe, some of our effort to other people, to other things, even to the church, so that we can live a more fulfilling life and truly make every day count. So now it starts with that instruction, and then it gets into some nitty-gritty. Paul uh, was never one to shy away from very specific examples, and it goes on in verse 3. Among you, there might not, must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure... There's a pretty strong word now coming from Paul. I want you to hear this. No immoral, impure, or greedy person. Such a person is idolater. Remember what idolatry means is they put something between them and God. Something's more important to them than God. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, don't be partners with them. Now, this might seem at first pass Either you think, whoa, Paul's being really harsh, or you think, well, I don't fit that description. 
I want to be very careful and just take a moment to think about that. Making the most of every day has a lot to do with how we read and react to the things going on around us. You may think, well, you know, I'm not involved in, in such heinous things as sexual morality or idolatry. But, you know, it goes all the way down to coarse joking and foolish talk and obscenity. These things, of course, you might think, well, I don't do that. It, I think it's important that we take some time to reflect. How do I talk about other people? How do I talk about other things going on in the world today? You know, am I being flippant? Am I being cruel? Uh, I always talk about this and we'll talk about it later. How is your social media behavior in that way? Are you sort of promoting other people? I'm not saying this, but look what this guy said. I see that a lot. You know, uh, I would never speak like this, but this guy said that. You know, things like that, it's important to say, listen to what it says, do not be partners with them. I wonder if this was written in 2020, where Paul would say, do not retweet them or do not repost what they say. So this comes down a lot to lifestyle choices. It's never popular to discuss these things because they have real world implications for you and for me. And always note how the word of God goes deep, right? So why should our choices be different? Why should our routine be different? Why should it be different for us to make the most of every day? Because it goes in verse 8, it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. You see, so he's saying now you are people of the light, and light produces what? Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Not bad things, not negative things, not mean things, not cruel things. And find what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Everything that is exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. So again, a very impactful statement here. What is Paul saying? How much should we have to do with the workers of darkness? Nothing. And then even further, he says it's shameful to discuss it. I mean, it's like very extreme. But this is the teaching from the Word of God. Don't even talk about it. Don't even whisper around and go, oh, can you believe what's going on? Can you believe what happened? Can you believe what so-and-so is doing? That's not even our business. We leave that to the side because we're people of the light. We don't enjoy darkness. We don't celebrate it. We don't talk about it. And it goes on to say, this is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Uh, this portion, they're not sure. Uh, definitely Paul is quoting a scripture from Isaiah, but also they think this was a song at the time in the church. And it says, uh, and then he says, be careful. This is verse 15, the key one now. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So here we are, the crux, making the most of every day. Be careful how you live. We talked about that, right? Those behaviors, the lifestyle choices, being light, choosing light instead of darkness, making the most of every opportunity, making the most of every day, you know, because the days are evil. Now, I want to talk about that for a second. And people often say that, oh, well, the days are evil. Oh, no, here we come. And, and, and actually, if we go to the other verse where Paul is kind of quoting Isaiah 60, verse 1 to 3, it says, Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But, okay, but 
The Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. This is talking about Jesus. It's a, it's a messianic prophecy. It's talking about what Jesus is going to happen. So yes, the days are dark. The days are evil. But don't wallow there. Don't stay there. Don't stay in that thought like, oh my goodness, and this is going on and this is going on. It's but, but. Right, wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. What happens when he shines on you? It's right there. His glory appears over you, and nations will come to that light, and kings will come to the brightness of that dawn. So when we as believers choose to live in life, light, excuse me, and make the most of every opportunity, regardless of how evil the day is, we don't get tangled up and get myopic or get stuck looking down or looking at the darkness. We're too busy living and walking in the light of Christ to even worry about that, okay? It doesn't mean we ignore it and we don't think it's there. We know it's there, but we understand how to approach it. You don't defeat it. You don't overcome it. You don't get through it by just staring at it. You get through it. You overcome it. You defeat it by walking in the light of Christ. And then he goes on to say a couple of interesting things. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's very interesting that he goes there. He tells us not to be filled with wine, but with the Spirit. Now, wine in this time, of course, uh, refers to people being drunk, okay? Drunk, drunkenness, which brings temporary happiness, forgetfulness, that leads to bad choices, okay? Uh, you may say, oh, the days are evil, so I'm just going to get drunk. Or you can replace that drunkenness with anything else, filling your life with anything that makes you forget for a little while. Any temptation, anything even uh, that seems good, but in, in anything that seems good, um, consumed to extreme, can lead to distraction, can lead to destruction. It can lead to bad health, broken relationships, and all of that so forth, all for the promise of maybe a short-term gain or short-term just forgetting about what's going on in the world. You know, but no, he says, be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on from there to discuss what our interaction should be like. So this is where it gets interesting. You know, look, it's, we can't all sing. I know I'm one of those people that can't sing, but I think we can get the picture. It says, when you speak to each other, speak to each other with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music to the heart, uh, from the heart to the Lord. Now, I promise you that if you come to hang out with me, I'm not going to sing to you because you won't enjoy it. But I think what it's clearly saying is that we should be approaching each other and with a sense of a radical love and positivity, devotion, and encouragement to each other. That when we're together, it's not like, oh, did you see what's going on out there in the world? Oh my goodness, oh, the evil out there. Or even getting caught up in the day-to-day things. It's not saying we don't discuss, hey, how are your kids? How's work? How's things going? How are you coping? All those things, for sure. But that we focus and we make sure that when we spend time together, we're encouraging each other. And we're being positive. You know, um, I want to go a bit further uh, with this idea a little bit later. So post-quarantine, what's your routine going to be? Remember, don't let your quarantine routine be replaced by another bad or useless or otherwise not good for you routine. Okay? Think about this. So I suggest something here to read in Colossians, okay? Colossians chapter 4, we'll start at verse 2. Verse 2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, be watchful and thankful. So again, I want to just go on the middle part about being watchful, 
okay? It is important as believers that we are watchful. We know what's going on in the world. We don't become obsessed. We don't become trying to dictate what's going on in world affairs, but we're watchful. We're aware. Uh, Pastor Rama already spoke about it last week, so we don't become obsessed with end-time prophecies. We don't get uh, obsessed with deciding which country is what or who is what and who might be antichrist and things like that. It's not saying that's being watchful to know, okay, I see where God is moving. Stop looking for where the devil is working and find where God God is working and pour your energies and pour your times into that and pray into that. Because let me tell you, God is at work all over the world in billions of people and that is where our focus should be. So that's being watchful. It says devote yourself to prayer. So as a church and as individuals, we will make a devotion to our to pray together. And when we come to pray together, we come to pray together, we share songs and hymns and whatever, and we are positive and we encourage each other and we pray into the will and the purpose of God. You know, that's where we should be. And it all comes, as the verse says, from a place of thankfulness. Thanking God for everything we have that we've come through and that we're going through and that what he's always what he's going to do in the future. See, prayer is a bedrock. Okay? It's absolutely important. And it changes the way we think. And sometimes we need to pray when we think we should be doing something else. You know, as I often tell you, when I'm about to preach about something like this, something happens in my life and the Lord uses it to speak to me. And it happened, I was sitting in my office today. I was sitting in my office and I look out over a major street in St. Laurent. And I looked, my eye caught something moving further down the street. And my eye caught a gentleman who was going down the street, uh, I will say rather erratically, uh, the person appeared to be dancing, but dancing in like a way where clearly there's something maybe not quite right with the man's mental state. And I'll be honest, my first initial, for, a, for about a beat, I was like, ugh. And then I realized, hang on a second. That man clearly is in need. And I, the Lord corrected my spirit. I immediately began praying for the guy as I, as I watched him approach and walk by. I don't know him. I don't know what's going on. But that's the type of heart change that I believe we all need, myself included from time to time, praying in all circumstances. So Colossians 2, 4, excuse me, 4 continues, verses 5 and 6. Now, you'll notice this is very similar sounding, Paul again, to what we read in Ephesians. It says this, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Stop. So before he was talking about the way we act amongst each other. Now he's talking about the way towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Ah, exact same instruction. Internally, make the most of opportunity. Externally, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer every one. Again, there's an appeal here to be wise, act in wisdom, okay? Wisdom is not being smart. Wisdom is knowing when to talk, when not to talk. Knowing when to respond, when not to respond. Wisdom is knowing the right timing and the right way to approach things, okay? It's a very interesting uh, thing if you want to uh, study more. We don't have time to go uh, through it very much. But God's Spirit can and will give us wisdom if we ask it. So when we're out there in the world, we are supposed to be, yes, engaging the world with the message of Jesus Christ, but not in a way that is without grace, not in a way that is not seasoned with salt. And basically, folks, 
Conversations that have grace means that you're being kind, that you're allowing the other person to speak, and that you're trying to get to a place of mutual understanding and respect so you can share. Also, salt, as we talked about it, it's in ta- in, in, here it's inferring taste. It's something that people want. And you may say, well, the gospel, you know, sometimes the gospel hits people hard between the teeth, and that's just how it is. Hey, that happens. But the way we deliver it should not be like that. You know, there's this word I love, and it means it's something. I want to talk about it. It's, how, it's called being winsome, okay? W-I-N-S-O-M-E, okay? And what it generally means is being in such a way that people like being around you. People like hearing what you have to say. And I think when it comes to being a Christian, a nice way to think about it is if I'm winsome, then I'll get to win some to Jesus. Does that make sense? Not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to agree. Not everybody's going to come along for the ride. But if you're winsome, you'll win some. Okay? So that is what we as Christians should be known for and sound like. Now, I know it's unfair. The average non-believer would not put Christians in the bucket of people they finally find generally encouraging and graceful. Uh, Much of the media presentation paints Christians as uh, jerks and mean and all bunch of things. And there are some Christians that act like that and deservedly are called that. But most of us are not like that, but that's just the way it is. Don't complain about that. You take care of your own business. We take care of our own business and show people a different way. So the people that you know, the people in your circles that you're talking to, know that. So you tell them good things. Make it a routine. Okay, so here's where we're getting to application. Okay, you know, how do we do this in our daily life? How do we get into a new routine? You know, during uh, the COVID shutdown, as I said, so many of us had routines. And even uh, amongst those of us preparing the church uh, stuff, we would get into this routine where we would have to share songs, share images, share things, so on and so forth. But then other people started getting involved, you know. I was encouraged when Sister Helen decided every Wednesday she was going to make an image and an encouraging scripture for the women that got posted. That became a routine that didn't exist before and now exists. You see, it's a small thing, but it's a good thing. And now people are looking forward to Wednesday, and they know Wednesday's a day that, that we do that. Now, it also brings on a responsibility because now Helen knows she has to prepare, but it's worth it because we're giving of ourselves to encourage and love other people. You know, there's so many things you can do these days. If you know before when Paul was talking about songs and spiritual hymns, maybe you can't sing like I can't sing, but you can share a song. You can send a YouTube clip of a song you like or post something or share something with somebody who may be uh, down and out. You know, you can send texts. Uh, kids these days, they send memes. I don't even know if all of you know what memes are, but my children are obsessed with memes, and they talk about them all the time. And my daughter's like a meme evangelist. And um, you never know if that will work. You know, phone calls. Remember those? The old, remember, boop, 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 phone calls? You can do that too. You can send scripture pictures. I know my wife does this a lot with people that she ministers to. Just an encouraging scripture with a nice background or something. This is the practical 2020 version of what Paul is talking about. The list goes on and on. So I encourage you, start a new routine to make the most of every day. 
Every day, send a message. Get a text group together and send a message and say, hey, this is the scripture I want to just share with, uh, share with you, a picture. Here's a worship song I listened to that really encouraged me. Remember, keep it encouraging. Don't go encouraging song, encouraging song, oh, end times prophecy, we're all going to die. Don't, don't, don't fall for that. Keep it encouraging. Keep it salt. Keep it graceful. And people who aren't believers, believe it or not, want to be encouraged. Believe it or not, like good news. They may at first bristle with some of the religiosity of it that they perceive, but don't be shy to share things and to hear things. I want to share with you a quick story that happened this week. I, um, one of my bosses decided to bring his son to work with us, and his son has a biblical name. And so I asked, is he named after this biblical person? Yeah, he said in a roundabout way. And then the other boss, his son's also there and has a biblical name because they're Jewish, it makes sense. They're Old Testament names. So then I said, oh, that's why my son has the name he has. It's from the Bible. And then he's like, really? And I said, yes. And then he said, oh, my son's middle name is Perez. And he goes, because it means strength. And I said, hey, it's a great name, but I got to tell you, it's actually not what Perez means. He's like, what do you mean? I said, Perez means breakthrough. And then I retold him the story of how Perez uh, broke through to, tr- to get the blessing from his father. And then he remembered the story. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, that's interesting, right? I could have just said nothing, but I just went for it. And then I said, and you know why my son is named Caleb? And I proceeded to tell him the story how, how when I found out Caleb was sick, the Lord led me to the Bible. I opened it randomly, and there was the story of Caleb about the report. And that's why he's named Caleb. And God bless him, he was silent. Right? I think, it, I think it really touched him. And I just like, I'm like, thank you, Lord, for showing me. Like, the one week I want to talk about this is the exact way this happens. So I'm encouraging you. It's not nothing special. It wasn't anything deep. It was five minutes. Who knows where it's going to go from there. But just encourage people. Be full of grace. Be full of love. Soon it'll become something you can't imagine not doing. Those of you know, I'm often online posting all sorts of things, texting people, messaging people, not because, just because I want to stay in touch with people, because I know people need it. People need to feel loved. People need to, need to feel warmth. We are surrounded by bad news and negativity, and we can overcome that with the love of Jesus. So as we exit this past and into this new normal, let's make the most of every day so that everybody who's part of Transformation Church and all those in the circles around us know that God loves them, that Jesus is real and he's their savior and everyone can know that joy and peace and joy of life and that it's a life worth living. Amen? So I encourage you in the coming week, even today when you're hearing this, whenever that is, start right now after you're done this video, text somebody, send someone a song, Decide what you're going to do. Make a new routine. And together we'll become a church that just showers our community, our families, and our loved ones with the love of Jesus. Amen? Thanks so much for listening. I hope to see you again soon. God bless.